You guys are a big crowd this morning, a talkative crowd. <laughs> I, I should also mention uh, for those families who are here that the, the, the area outside the sanctuary is a, is a good place to be too. Or if you want to play the harp, just, you know, at any time, just come on up. We're uh, one of those loosey-goosey churches that... <laughs> Uh, no, but the area out there is fine. If, you, if you'd like to um, be out there, there's a, an LCD TV that you can see what's going on in here, and hopefully you can still hear too because the speakers are, are blasting out there. So. Um, but wherever you're most comfortable is fine with us. I mentioned uh, a minute ago, and Bethany mentioned before that last song, that today is Palm Sunday. And uh, Palm Sunday is the is the week before Easter, and we celebrate the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And you, you may know this story. If you grew up in Sunday school, you may remember getting the little palm leaves. I remember getting those when I was a kid. If you didn't grow up in the church, you have no idea what I'm talking about, and that's probably just as well. Uh, but when Jesus came in, the people were really excited to see him, and they were waving palm leaves, and some of them put them on the ground to, so his donkey wouldn't get his feet dirty or something. So um, that's what we're talking about on Palm Sunday. And what I'd like to do to start out is read the passage, the gospel passage from today, which uh, is in the book of Mark. We have it on the screen uh, behind me, but I also encourage you to, to look it up in a Bible. If you brought one with you, that's terrific. If you didn't, there are Bibles right under your chair, red hardcover Bibles in the same translation that I'm going to read. And if you are looking it up in those Bibles and want a shortcut, it's page 823. But we're looking at Mark 11. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, you are welcome to take one of those red ones home with you. Okay, let's read Mark 11, verses 1 through 11. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives... He, meaning Jesus, sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it, and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door, outside in the street, As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So many of you have heard that story before. For some of you, it might be the first time. And... uh, there are a few different directions we could go with this text. I could talk to you, if I, if I wanted to, about the messianic prophecies from the Old Testament 
that foretold this coming anointed one, this coming king, and how some of those prophecies were fulfilled in this passage. Um, Jesus riding in on the colt of a, of a donkey, the foal of a donkey, uh, is one of them. Um, and there's, there's, there are others, but that's not really where I necessarily want to go with it. We could do the palm leaf thing, and I could hand them out, and we could all shout Hosanna and feel a little weird about ourselves. Um, I always felt weird about myself when I did that in church growing up, but I won't do that. Uh, what I would like to do today is actually invite all of you to enter this text and sort of help me help you. Help me help you. <laughs> now, uh, um, I'm going to read this passage again, and what I'd like you to do is sort of what, would be, what we might call an Ignatian-style reading. And all that means is that I want you to enter this story and imagine yourself there. Imagine your senses being engaged. You can hear the people shouting, or you can, you can feel the mud on the ground, or, or whatever it is. Try to, try to engage your senses in this story. And what I would also like you to ask you to do is figure out which of a few groups of characters you identify best with. As you're trying to put yourself into this story, which of the following characters do you most identify with? The first group of characters is the, the couple disciples that Jesus sent to get the, the colt that was tied outside the door and all that went with that. The second group of characters that I'd like to see if you identify with is the people who took their cloaks off and put them on the road as Jesus was coming in and all that that might entail. Kind of getting messy and that sort of thing. And the third group of characters that you might identify with is the people who are shouting Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and these are very kind of exuberant folks and, and uh, they're shouting out loud. There are other little characters in the, in the story and of course there's Jesus, but we don't get to be Jesus today. I want you to see if you identify with uh, one of those three groups of characters, okay? So I'm going to read this again slowly. Try to put yourself right into the story, use your senses, and see which group of characters you, you most closely identify with. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who, were, who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David! Hosanna in the highest heaven. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So, let me ask you, and I, I have some thoughts about where I fit in to this passage, 
But I'd like to hear from you first, you brave souls. Somebody who, who really felt a connection and identified with that first group of people, the two disciples that Jesus sent to get the cold. Anybody, anybody feel like that might have been you in the story? And if there's somebody who's willing to shout out, uh, yeah, that was me and here's why, I'd love to hear that from you. We don't, we don't do this every week, so if you're new here, you don't have to worry. We're not a, we're not a shout it out all the time church, but uh, today that's what we're going to do a little bit of. Who identified with those disciples who went to get the cult? Any Colts fans? Um. <laughs> yeah, Matt. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, Jesus says, you said not steal. I'm going to, I'm going to go one better and say that Jesus basically told you to go steal a donkey and uh, you're wondering, people are staring at you and you're, you're feeling awkward. Okay. So yeah, good. Anybody else? Joanna. The reckless pursuit of untamed faith. Where would you hear such a clever turn of phrase? (laughs) That was the name of our previous series that ended last week, uh, Wild, and, and the, the tagline was The Reckless Pursuit of Untamed Faith. So that's a little reckless, you think, going to borrow a donkey? And, uh, yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, did you hear that? He said he thought of it as a more submissive kind of act because even though it might not be comfortable, Jesus told them to do it and, and they went and did it. You're more spiritual than me, I guess. <laughs> no, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Jonathan. Ah, yeah. Huh. That's an excellent insight. He said that, he, that Jesus asked them to do something, but he didn't get to the point where he told them why. <laughs> they just had to go do this sort of weird thing. And Jesus didn't tell them why. And sometimes that's kind of, he's saying that's kind of the way we have to obey Jesus without, without knowing exactly why. My friend, um, my friend Dave is, is who I think of when I, when I look at this, these two disciples who go get the donkey. He is the kind of guy who's up for anything. In fact, he... Um, he took one of those stupid quizzes on Facebook this week. It was, uh, which character from Lost are you? I don't know if you guys watch Lost, but he came up as Kate. <laughs> so he said, I am hot. Uh, you know. <laughs> and I, I immediately when I saw that, I thought, that is so true. Not, not that he's hot, I mean, uh, <laughs> but that he is Kate from Lost. He's a guy who doesn't care. He's just going to go do whatever... You know, if Jesus tells him to do something, for sure he's going to go do it. But he might just do that for the fun of it anyway. Go steal that donkey and, <laughs> hey, I got a donkey. Um, and uh, so he, he's who I think of. And I, I have great admiration for my friend Dave in this regard because I am not the type of person who could do this. If there's 12 disciples and Jesus says, okay, I need two of you to go borrow that, a donkey that you're going to find... And if somebody, somebody's probably going to yell at you when you do that, but here's just what you say. Just say, the Lord needs it. 
I'm going to be like, can I make sandwiches or, you know, what else do we need for the next, you know, that next stage of this trip here? Because I do not, I don't even want to go to Wegmans and go into the express lane with eight items in my basket. I get nervous when I do that. (laughs) Sometimes I'm in Wegmans with a big cart full of stuff and I'm in one of the long lines. And then this ever happened to you, the manager will say, sir, you can, you can come over to this one. And I get over there and it's seven items or left. I've got less. I've got like 50 items in my cart. And I just, I just have the, I'm like, who's looking at me right now? Exactly like what you said. Oh, man, somebody's going to yell at me and I have 50 items. And then somebody gets in line behind me. I always say, I'm sorry, the manager told me to come here. So I do not identify with these first two characters myself at all, um, except in the way that maybe Matt described, where it's like, if that was me, I'd be a little, a little nervous. Anybody else feel that way? Yeah. How about the next group of people? The, the next group of people I asked you to possibly identify with were the people who took off their cloaks and put them on the road to make a path for Jesus. Anybody identify with that group of people? Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tim's saying that he that's his sort of that's sort of his personality, that he wants to, to welcome people and make it comfortable for them and offer them, you know, a home or, or clothes or whatever it might be. But anybody else feel that way or, or for another reason identify with this group? There's another reason possibly that these people spread their cloaks on the road. It may have been because they, you know, they had great respect for Jesus or that, that they, didn't want, they didn't want, you know, mud kicking up or, or whatever it might, might be um, when it comes to cleanliness. But some people may have had in the back of their minds a story, um, and I won't read the whole thing to you here, but I want to get the reference in, uh, in 2 Kings, the prophet Elijah had anointed Jehu as a king. And this king was to lead a rebellion against an oppressive regime, very much what some people thought Jesus was, was about to do. And, and when he was anointed as king, he had this procession, and people laid down their cloaks on the road. And so some of the people in this crowd may have been highly theologically aware, highly historically aware, and were thinking, we are now in this oppressive, semi-oppressive regime where, where Herod is kind of being mean to the Jews. And this is the Messiah, the new anointed one. And he's going to come and, and wipe out this oppression and free our people again. And so to signify my, my respect and trust and awareness of this situation, I'm going to do just like they did for King Jehu when Elijah no, uh, anointed him. I'm going to put my cloaks down, or my cloak down. So there's kind of two things going on there. There's, there's this, uh, you know, I, I'm willing to take my coat off and get it all muddy, and let's remember, it's not just the mud underneath that's going to make this thing dirty. It might be the mud falling from above if you get my drift. So you're not going to get this coat back. (laughs) If you do, you're probably not going to want it. So there's that. 
aspect of it. But there's also that side of things where maybe some of these people were being just really smart. So is there anybody who kind of feels like, I, I don't, I'm not so sure about doing these really daring things. I'm not going to be the one shouting out later. But I, I, like to keep, I like to be aware of the times. I like to know my history. I like to know my theology. I like to know the story of what God has done and point to it when I see it happening again. Anybody feel that way a little bit? Jamal. Yeah. Yeah. So not wanting to be naive and manipulated by a situation. So being really aware of what's actually might be going on. Anybody else identify with that second group before we move on to the third group? Yeah, Brian. Yeah, yeah. he said he's always trying to, to look back and see how the redemptive story works as a whole. So that, yeah. And it's interesting, these two groups of people, the type, like my friend Dave, who would go run and get the donkey, borrow it. They're probably not the same types of people like, like you, Brian, who are trying to see how this fits into the redemptive story. <laughs> They're just like, cool, a donkey, I might get arrested. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so what about that third group? The third group is, now I don't know about you, but when I hear the story of Palm Sunday, when I think of Palm Sunday, this third group is basically all I think about. It's the people shouting Hosanna and waving their palm leaves in the sky and, and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And maybe they're just... Maybe it's like mob mentality. Maybe they genuinely love Jesus. These might be the same people who like a week later are shouting crucify him just because that's what people are shouting. (laughs) And it's time to shout again. And I like to shout. But let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And certainly none of you are like that. Let's give you the benefit of the doubt at least. And um, there, there are bound to be people in the room who are the types who if Jesus was walking down the road... You're going to sing a song and chant and yell out loud to show your love and appreciation and dedication to him. Anybody in that, in that crew? Here at Artisan Church? Bueller? <laughs> really, there's nobody in... I mean, I know that we're not a, a jump up and down kind of place most of the time, but surely there must be one or two of you. And by definition, you don't mind telling me about it, right? Yeah, go ahead, Ben. <laughs> yeah, just like being loud. Cool. <laughs> as long as Ben started at first, <laughs> Janine would would also yell along. Good. <laughs> I'd sing the song, but I wouldn't clap until somebody told me where two and four were, because I don't, <laughs> I don't want to get scowled at. <laughs> I 
Nobody else is the, the shout out loud, shout Hosanna type. When I, um, the church that I grew up in was not really a shout Hosanna place per se. They would mostly, at the end of a song, they would, some old guy would go, Amen. And that was about it, you know. <laughs> Jason's laughing the loudest because he's been to this church. <laughs> he knows which old guy I'm talking about. <laughs> he died. It's very sad. But we were not like a, a shout while you sing, kind of raise your hand, clap your hands really loud place. And when I, when I got to college, I went to a, a small Christian college just outside of town, Roberts Wesleyan College. And very soon after I got there, I, oh yeah, there's some people, Roberts, yay, woo. Um, sucks. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> now I've just alienated anybody who likes Houghton or is offended by the word sucks. So, uh, Well, I went, to, I went to Roberts, and soon after I got there, I started attending this Sunday evening service that was put on by, by students at the, at the college. And it was, I don't know if it's still going on, it probably is, and if it is, I don't know if it's the way it was, but it was very uh, exuberant praise and worship. And it was not, like nothing I'd ever seen. You were talking about drums and, you know, guitars and people singing, and the whole, actually, the whole congregation of people singing. Like, they actually cared about the topic that, the, that they were singing, <laughs> um, which was very different for me. And it was, uh, it was sort of intoxicating at first. I loved that, that people were excited about their faith and, and worshiping loudly. And, um, and I started going to this uh, sort of... I, I visited a few times anyway this uh, very Pentecostal church. And, and for me, that experience was, was new and fresh. And it, it put an angle a view on my faith that I had never really seen before. For whatever reason in my life, that didn't end up being kind of the way I, as I, as I kept going, I sort of drifted away from that type of worship experience. It didn't, doesn't quite match my personality and style so much. But, but I know there are people, even among us, and we're, we're a fairly uh, laid-back group, I know, but even among us, there are probably those of you who think, yeah, I wish I could see Jesus just so I could shout Hosanna to him and sing that psalm. In fact, this, they're, they're singing the psalm that we read earlier, Psalm 118, which has that great line in it, this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Has anybody ever felt like you were in a place, and, and this is not certainly unique to the church, but I think it's very common in the church that you, you look at a story like this and you see examples of three different types of people who are serving Jesus in their own way, and you feel like you have to do all of those things. Whenever the opportunity arises, you better go steal that colt. And if Jesus is coming into town... You better be aware of the historical and theological and, you know, prophetical realities and slap your coats on the ground, even if you just bought it. You can't be attached to your stuff. You've got you to toss it down and let it get trampled. And if he's walking by, you better know that psalm and you better be singing it loud and waving your branches because 
That is what a real Christian does. Has anybody felt like you have to do all those things and sometimes you, you feel a little awkward? Like you're, yeah, you're stealing a colt and you wish you could just be ruminating on the story, the redemptive story. <laughs> I want to leave you with a very simple thought. After we've engaged with this story and looked at it from these different angles. And the very simple thought I want to leave you with is that you have to be who you are. You have to serve Jesus as the person he made you. And I want to hopefully speak a freedom into your life. (laughs) A freedom that says you don't always have to be the one who steals the cult. Now if Jesus tells you to steal a cult, you probably ought to do it. <laughs> who was it who said that? Even if you don't know why. Now, I'm not saying God's not ever going to try to stretch you, because God will try to stretch you. And the second you say, I'm not really a cult-stealing type of person, you're going to find yourself standing there holding the rope, going, when did this happen? <laughs> it's like when I said, I'm done being a pastor. I'm not going to be a pastor anymore. I'm definitely not going to be a church-planting pastor. Suddenly I'm holding this rope. (laughs) What am I doing here? So God will try to stretch you. Don't hear me saying that you can just get comfortable. But I do want to speak that freedom to you to be the person you are. If you are the type to ruminate on the theological and historical implications of a situation and help those around you be aware of the fact that, hey, this is an anointed king coming into town. Let's put our coats down so that he and everybody else knows what's going on here. You should do that to the glory of God. If you're the type of person to wave your hands and shout and clap and sing loud, God knows we need a few of you. Come to the evening service when my band is playing leading worship because <laughs> sometimes, you know, not you guys are very, you guys are perfect, but the evening service people, they, they don't really sing very loud sometimes. So anyway. And if you are the type, God bless you, who can be bold and go do something that's a little risky, it might only be two out of 12 of you in the room. What's that percentage? That's like, what, 40%, something like that? (laughs) No. (laughs) That is hard. I hear all these these nerds going, 18%. I'm like, okay, thanks, guys. The illustration didn't really depend on the exact percentage, but go ahead. (laughs) God bless you. If you are the 18 percenters who have the guts to go steal the donkey, the church and the kingdom needs you too. But what the church and the kingdom does not need is one person who's trying to be all three of those people and therefore failing at all three types of things. So it's a great adage that says, if you try to do everything, you will do what? Nothing. And God has called you to serve Jesus as the person that he made you. That's basically it. So you better do it. (laughs) But don't try to be somebody you're not, because that's not of service to anybody. Let's pray. 
God, we long to serve your Son, Jesus, our Lord. And sometimes when we set about to serve him, we don't quite know where to start. And we start listening to those voices in our head that say, you have to be bold and do something risky. Or you have to be theological and understand the grand redemptive story. Or those voices who say, you need to be exuberant and get excited about your faith and shout it out to them from the mountaintops. Lord, sometimes we hear those voices ringing in our heads and we don't know which way to turn and we try to do everything at once. And we never really begin to fulfill the identity that you've called us to fulfill. So we pray that by your Holy Spirit's guidance, we would know how you have made us and in what way we are called to serve Jesus. And then, regardless of which way it might be, we would be bold, we would be wise, and we would be excited to serve you. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, whether you are a donkey stealer, a cloak giver-upper, or a palm leaf waver, we are one in Christ. And in serving him, we are united. And one of the great ways we as the church celebrate that union is at the communion table. And so I'd like to invite you now, as you respond to God's word, to come to the table and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. You can dip off or take a piece of that bread and dip it in one of the, one of the cups. We have wine and juice at each station. And take that as an act of remembrance. Receive it as spiritual nourishment. And remember that it's in doing that that we are united as one body here at Artisan and it's in doing that we are united as one body the church globally because everywhere people get together to worship him they're doing the same thing we all do it a little differently but not always the same frequency but we all do it and so that's kind of our communion with the whole church globally and as you come Meditate maybe on which of those people you might be and be glad to serve him and remember his sacrifice as the person he made you. Okay? The table will be open as we continue to sing and worship him.